just a hand, a Roman cowman, working in Arizona, one with a wagon on his span. He didn't mind the country or the horses he rode. Two letters to find him was G. Never had no wife and never had no kids. Played the sure spot sick calf faster than you did. He's the spirit of the west, child of the sage, tougher than the thorns on the cactus, wise as the wind on the range. He's a cow, he's got no home. He's a drifting buckaroo, born to work and born to run. He's a cowboy, and everything he owns is a truck and a trailer with his baby and his run. Take his bedroll over a five-star hotel To live right next to neighbors Be a darn sure living hell He'll ride on with the cow Till the day that he's done With the knowledge of the cowboy Sets and rises with the sun He's a cowboy He's got no home He's a drippin' muck groove, born to work and born He's a cowboy, everything he owns, and a truck and a trailer with his baby. He was just a Roman cowman He worked in Arizona with a wagon on the span Good evening folks and welcome to You Can't See Him From The Road Benji, how are you this evening? Good, how are you sir? Well, we're still breathing, so that is a good thing. Good deal. Is it uh, is it hot down in your part of the country? Man, it is raining like cats and dogs right now. Well, that's a good thing. Do you need the rain? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had us a real good wet spring, and then it's been a few weeks of uh, real hot temperatures and a little bit of wind, and so the ground is ready for it. Yeah, uh, that that's about how we're looking up here. We could dang sure use a good rain. Um, there's worse places than we are. I know, I know that Alberta country that they are hurting for rain. They haven't had a rain all year yet. Oh yeah, that's yeah. 
Yeah, that's no good. It's, I tell you what, some years are good to us, some years are bad to us. But this year, man, I tell you what, we've just we've gotten more rain than we know what to do with. So we've been we've been pretty lucky that way. Oh, good deal. Good deal. You can't go wrong with that. No, sir. There aren't very many places you can get too much rain. I don't think. No. No, there's not. It, it rain's a funny deal, right? Guys will. Guys will complain when when they don't get rain, and then when they get rain, they're never happy. They don't get enough, or they get too much, and rain's just a funny deal. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think people are funny, too, because we complain when it's too hot, complain when it's too cold, we complain when there's not enough rain, and complain when it's flooding, so. Yeah, just nobody's ever happy with anything nowadays it seems like no sir no sir myself included i find myself doing that all the time oh yeah i i'm guilty of it too i know i was just uh i was just down in the states for the last little while and i i know where i was down in the states um man it was hot and i i complained about the heat um a fat guy like me ain't used to heat like that where were you at? Washington. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And that's not even bad for some places like Arizona or Texas or... Yeah. A lot I'm of those really places dreading, south of me. Yeah, I'm really dreading the trip to California there in September. Um, they're claiming it's going to be... The guys I'm talking to anyways are saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hot at this ranch rodeo we're going to, so... No, oh, geez. Where are you going? Uh, Squaw Valley. Okay. I believe that's where it is. I'm not exactly 100% sure where it is. It's one of them deals I got roped into, and I'm not driving, so I really don't know where we're going. I don't really care either if you don't have to drive. Exactly. I'll just sit in the back and drink beer. Exactly. Exactly. So, oh, it should be a good time. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not terribly terribly hot but if it is well we just got to stay hydrated and drink more beer that's right that's right what are you what's your beer of choice um well up here um my beer of choice is coors banquet well um, shoot if you just start drinking coors light there's more water in that than there is anything else yeah yeah <laughs> so coors banquet is my beer of choice um you know, but uh, I'm kind of a creature of what is cheaper. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, right now, and people are probably going to hate me for this, but uh, right now, a 24 of Bud Light is, like, 26 bucks. Oh, yeah. Up here. And, you know, Bud Light might have made some dumb choices and everything, and Agreed, it's not a good beer, but it's cheap. You know what's funny is I was actually a Bud Light guy, and I, I did jump on the old quitting them bandwagon. Um, but I like the flavor of it better than anything else. There you go. There's nothing wrong with it. I know a lot of guys that like it. I've never been really a fan of it. And, you know, just kind of how we're getting up here um, – there's a lot of people that jumped on the bandwagon that's not going to support them, not going to buy their beer, but it's cheap now, and I'm a big yeah. fan of cheap. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, they sell it for a lot cheaper than they did before. Yeah. Yeah, and especially up here in Canada, when you can find cheap beer, I mean, you jump at it because beer's expensive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why, I don't know, most guys I know pretty well just drink Keystone anymore. And uh, I guess it's got the same alcohol content. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually like when I was down when I was down in Washington, I drank a lot of Keystone. I actually really like Keystone. Do they not have it up there? No. That's weird. I wonder how come they have regular Coors but not uh, not Keystone. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of beer down there that we can't get up here so it, it, it's strange well i guess they're sending all the bud light to canada now yeah <laughs> yeah we'll buy it if it's cheap <laughs> i like it yeah so you're you are you riding lots of horses right now yeah yeah i'm uh i'm i don't know somewhere between 12 and 15 right now i think maybe 13 or 14 probably is actually what i've got that that'll keep a guy busy. Oh man, alive! I tell you what, it's funny because even just the even just a rainstorm coming in, you know, two hours early, feels like it just wrecks your whole day. It was supposed to come in at um, nine o'clock and it came in at seven. And man, it's funny just that many horses. You just kind of have to use about every ounce of daylight you can get. Oh, I bet. Even in this heat. Yeah. Oh, no thanks. I'm glad you're doing it and it's not me. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's one of those things. I don't think a guy could do this for a living if he didn't love it. Oh, that that is the truth. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I used to work. Uh, I used to always have another job. Job, but I always called it a real job. I always had a real job, but also you know, trained horses on the side. I mean, shoot, I've been doing it. I'm 28. I've been doing it for 18 years um, and kind of making a small living at it and then a little bit more and stuff. And once I had a family, you know, I kind of just was like, man, I just need to do this full time. So I, uh, I'm fortunate enough that where I'm at every day is take your kid to work day, but, but it does have its drawbacks like hundred degree weather and nasty horses and you name it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you get to do you get to pasture ride on any of your colts or are you just in and out of the arena right now? So I uh, I do both. I so I cowboy for a handful of different operations. Um a couple here in Utah, um, one in Wyoming and two in Idaho that are pretty consistent. Um and so they, they get out quite a bit. Um, but I also, my next door neighbor, oh, I think he sits on, he doesn't live here. He just has the land. I think he's got 180 acres or 200 acres. Um, and it's my next door neighbor. So I've just got a gate to his place. And so I, you know, once I get two or three rides in the arena where I feel like they're pretty good, I head right up the hill. Um, and I live on a hill. So it just keeps getting steeper behind me. And, man, that's just the perfect place to take one out. Whether they're super good-minded and just need a good, happy day where they just go walk around or, 
if they're kind of nasty and need aired out, I mean, I can take them straight up and up and up and up and up as hard and fast as I want to and kind of knock the wind out of them if I need to. Um, so luckily I'm, I'm in a spot where I do both. Oh, there you go. You can't complain about that. No, no, it's really nice. He's, he's a really good guy and, and he's always been hesitant because he lives, I mean, he lives two hours away from here, but He's always been pretty hesitant to let anybody ride on his place because he's worried about liability and he doesn't know who's up here. And, you know, he's he's he lives in town. Let's put it that way. And out where I'm at is not in town. But he he was always kind of concerned about, you know, someone going up there, getting bucked off and turning around and suing him or, you know, someone getting tangled up in some down fence because he's got some down fence up there. And uh, when I moved in, I don't know how I think it's because. You know, we have a we had a connection that was kind of cool. His his son-in-law actually grew up. I grew up next door to his son-in-law, and then all these years later, I mean, these are this is three hours away from here. All these years later, I'm next door neighbors again. You know, blah blah blah. And he kind of kind of loosened up on me, made me dang sure you know sign some some forms and stuff, which I thought was interesting. But um, but I got pretty lucky because no one else is allowed to ride up there, so I get to go all over up there well you can't complain about that you have free country just to kind of roam around and do as you please well and it being it being straight uphill from my fence you can't beat that for colts no you can't at all and the way it's set up so like if i just ride straight through the gate i go straight up but if i go through the gate and turn left i can ride on flat ground for oh about a quarter of a mile you know, and then kind of circle around if I want to on flat ground, if it's something I don't want to take up the hill, which is also nice. But I love having some steep hills for them colts. I think even for them good ones, there ain't nothing better than getting out there, learning how to walk, you know, watch your feet, work your ass off, you know, kind of all that kind of stuff where they just get to where, man, you know, that arena sure ain't bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it definitely teaches them to, to use their body, right? figure out how to walk straight and move out straight oh 100 percent. well and and just just pay attention is the big thing for a lot of these colts because i i find more and more as time goes on i get horses that they've never done anything besides live in this little even if it's a 20 by 50 that's all they've been in right Back yeah. in the day, everything was raised on the mountain. Everything was raised out in the country where, you know, there's rattlesnakes. You had to pay attention to what you were doing. And now it's like these horses, they never see the outside of a stall until I take them on that first ride. And, I mean, even even today I was on a colt that, shoot, I thought she'd been outside enough. And I was just at a good long trot, just covering some country. And she saw, she saw something way out in the distance and she lifted her head up and put her ears forward, you know, and that's all she could pay attention to. And she was going, going, going all of a sudden front left leg went into a badger hole and we all, but went down. We didn't go down, but we all, but went down. Yeah. She got up and I was like, that was the best thing in the world for you. Now watch where you're going, you know, and I kick her back into a trot and I'll be danged if, if one ear wasn't pretty well right on the ground. Yeah. And, yeah, that's and, the best thing for them. Well, and even if, you know, even if the owners never get them outside of the arena, it's the same principle, right? It's just teaching them to watch what they're doing, watch where they're walking. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that is the best for Colts. I, I I mean, I I don't have an arena and I don't have a round pen here. Um, you know, ride them in a little pen for the first day or two, and if I can get out on them, I mean, hell, we're we're going to work, we're going to treat calves, we're going to do whatever we got to do. Sometimes it gets entertaining. Oh yeah, I could imagine. Um. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of times I'm glad nobody rides with me to watch the shit show because they'd probably wonder what neat fuck is going on. <laughs> and and probably on the same note, you wish someone was there to either video or line you out and pull you out of a pinch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes, sometimes, like today, I get, I get the great idea, you know, I might just not take a horse for this deal today. Oh, yeah. Like we, I I had a hurt bull there today, and you know it, it's it's my first day back, and kind of went out on the on the side by side this morning, just quickly take some salt and mineral up to the fields, and kind of get a quick glimpse of what was going on, and I I come across a hurt bull, um, got a bad shoulder and a bad foot, and not breeding, and just kind of being just hanging off by himself. He doesn't want to be with cows. He can barely move. Well. I better try and get you up to the yard and you know halfway to the yard he decided to spin around and fight the side by side and then he fought some dogs and then he just laid down and quit and uh, then I got the bright idea well I should go out there and I should rope him and I should drag him onto the trailer well um, I kicked all the broke horses out onto a big pasture so they were a ways away and I was just being lazy well I'll take a colt. And then I kind of got thinking about things. So I improvised and uh, just went out there with the truck and trailer and ended up roping them on foot and tying them to the trailer. <laughs> oh, shoot. You get him loaded? I got him loaded about, you know, it, it took me about two and a half hours of fighting with him until I, I finally got him on the trailer. Um but I got him on the trailer, and you know what? I wasn't that unhappy I didn't take a colt. No, no, because what took you two and a half hours would have taken you five. Yeah, yeah, and the colts I got standing in the yard, you know, it would have took me five or, you know, I would have been meeting Jesus. Well, or some, or had some blown up hawks by the time you got done. Yeah, so, you know, I got him on the trailer, and I thought, huh, well, that didn't go as court how i had it planned but it still worked it still went better than it could have no yeah no yeah no i i tell you what there's a lot of times i go do stuff on colts and i think man i'd rather just be walking yeah i'd rather just be on my own two feet that way if i fall i ain't gonna go too far (laughs) yeah and the ground the ground's a lot closer yeah exactly exactly and, you know, like, one thing about doing something like that is, you know, when you're dealing with the bull next to a trailer and trying to get him on, um, when when the fear kicks in and you, your legs and your brain tell everything else in your body, we are leaving, um, you can leave. You just find yourself running away, um, scared like a 12-year-old girl to the deck of the truck, hoping this bull isn't going to help you onto the, onto the deck of the truck. But you're like, you know, if I was on a colt, I don't know that he'd be smart enough to leave. Well, yeah, that's the that's the thing is everything that your brain just relayed to your body 
you got to relate to the cult and hope to hell he understands. Yeah. So then if it goes wrong, you got a hurt horse and then you got a scared cult that wants nothing to do with your dumbass anymore. Well, that's the that's the biggest problem is, you you know, you put them in those situations if they're not ready for it. I mean, you spend weeks and weeks and weeks, if not months and years to get them back to where you had them. Yeah. As far as cows are concerned, you know, I see that all the time. These guys putting horses in situations they got no business being in. And uh, and man, them colts, they get blown up in a hurry. And well, I can't figure out. I mean, that was a year ago. How come he still does that? Well, it was pretty damn traumatizing, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I, I hate to tell you, if you put me in that situation and I got hurt, I'd probably act the same way. Yeah. Yeah. You're just, you know, some of these guys, you're just lucky they're riding pretty level-headed colts and they don't fold into and throw a catastrophic wreck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's the, that's the hell of it is that some of these guys, I don't know how they even make it in the industry, if I'm being honest. Yeah, there there are some people out there that, um, you know, and I've I, I rode with them, where they're riding a colt or, you know, not even a colt, they're just riding a broke horse, and you just kind of rein your horse up and sit back and go, you know, before I ride in there, I'm going to see how this plays out. Yep. Because it's going to be a wreck, and I want I don't want to be wrapped up in the middle of it. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, you know, what's funny. I always feel bad for those kinds of people's horses. Yeah. <laughs> I always think, man, I'm sure glad it's not, it's not me having to try to please you. Cause you don't even know what you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was... And unfortunately, uh, where I work, I, I do all the cow work and all the cowboy work by myself. So unfortunately, some of the times my colts find themselves in some, so rather sticky situation situations where, hey, we are on our own. Um, this is the job at hand, and we got to get it done. And you just happen to be the poor bastard I'm riding. Well, but I don't, I don't see the situation I was just talking about. I don't see that happen very often with guys who really know what they're doing. Yeah, I, I mean, because if you if you flat out. If you flat out know, like, I am not going to get anything done on this cult, like, it's going to be a wreck, you're not going to do it, right? Like, if you had that bull and all you were doing was checking cows with a horse with 10 rides, you're not going to go rope, you know, depending on that horse's brain and size, you're not going to go back loop around that sunbee and try to get him loaded. No. Right? I mean, it, it, that, that that's the difference is it's these guys that don't know the difference between something that's ready and something that ain't. Yeah. I, I've roped a lot of, a lot of cows and I broke a few bulls off of like, you know, fourth rod colts that have no idea what they're doing, but I've always had a handy guy riding with me. That's riding a pretty good horse and he'll just reach out there and neck him and I'll ride in there and try and pick up heels for him and just try and be an anchor. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, shoot, if you know what your horse is ready for, then great. Yeah. But that, that's that's what I see all the time is just them them guys that, you know, they, they I don't know if they think their horse is ready or if they think their horse knows what's going on or they think they know what's going on. 
and they get in there and it's like two minutes later you've got a guy on the ground a fragile horse and a bull running away with 60 foot of twine hooked to its neck yeah and you're just running you're just going through your head while that happened (laughs) yeah you're sitting there going on one hand i really hope he don't get that wrapped around the quake and aspen on the other hand i hope he gets that thing wrapped around the quake and aspen (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i hope he does it but just not too hard yeah yeah l so much can go wrong even i mean even roping little calves off a horse is so much can go wrong so fast even on your broke horse Oh, so fast. I mean, the slightest the slightest bit of rope getting in the wrong spot on their ass can send them to the moon. Yeah. And I so so this is this is kind of my thing. I don't um yeah, I do not believe in bashing on other ways of doing things. I don't believe in it. Um, you know, I don't believe in, you know, someone someone ropes with rubber on their horn. I don't believe in dogging them. I just don't because if that's what works for them, then great. But that is why I am not man enough to tie off. I look at those guys that tie off when they rope and that just blows my mind because I've been in a couple of wrecks where a horse is just getting wolfy and getting wolfy fast. And it's like, man, if I wouldn't have popped my dally off of there, which I, I mean, very seldom do I ever lose my rope. But if I do lose my rope, there's a good reason. Like, that's well, better than getting tangled up and choked out in this mess. And and that's that's kind of why I, I say that as you talk about getting in a wreck in the Brandon pan or, you know, roping calves or something. That's why I don't tie off. I'm just too scared. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I will say this. Um, I, I've never tied off until last winter. And I, I was having troubles with the little gray mare. I was riding a really nice mare when I was riding her, um, going real good. You could you could swing the rope off of her. You could drag um, drag the log off of her, drag a tire, and she, she was good. You know, do all that stuff hands down, but when you got something roped, um, she just kind of fell apart on you. Oh, yeah. And got and got real nervous in with, with roping. I don't rope with uh, – with the 60 foot rope anymore um you know it's just too much rope for my hands i don't got very big hands and, you know holding on to your mccarty or, or your reins and that rope it, it's just too much for me and i've down near got myself into some pretty good wrecks just dropping coils out of my hand so you know now i'm down to the, the longest rope i'll rope with is 50 feet um I actually really like 45 feet. Oh, yeah. Seems to be my sweet number um, for feet in a route. And so that's what I've been using. But this little gray mare, she just just needed reassurance once you got her, got something roped and just to ride her. And I, I couldn't get through to her. And it was almost getting to the point where you felt bad about roping on her because you're trying to hold your dallies, you're trying to slide your rope, you're trying to control the animal, and then you're drumming on it, and she doesn't know what you're asking. You know, you just feel bad by, you know, lifting the foot up and driving it into her shoulder and going, you need to move. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, a friend of mine from Texas, um, I've had him on the podcast a few times, uh, 
um, Jerry, he, he told me, he goes, well, if she can handle that and you think her mind can handle um, handle it, tie off on her. Tie her, get a short rope and tie off to your saddle horn. And once you got everything slowed down with her, um, she can handle it just fine. It was just, I wasn't riding her once I was got the animal roped and just trying to get that animal under control. So, you know, against my better judgment, you know, kind of out of options, didn't know what else to do. I thought, well, you know, it seems to work for him. Um, I think she can handle it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I, I was shaking pretty good that day when I first tied the rope onto the saddle horn, but golly, it worked pretty good. That makes a ton of sense to me. I mean, I, I, I've always said the one thing I can see about tying off is when you're on a horse that, you know, you need two hands for something that, you, you know, I mean, maybe doesn't neck rain at all, which most of the time them Colts kind of figure out where the Brandon pot is. Uh, but that's one thing I always thought was, you know, something that's like really good minded. I wouldn't mind being tied off on if they just don't really know how to rein around for that, re- you know, for that reason, like be able to use both hands and not worry about my slack or not worry about the coils or nothing like that. Um, but that, that makes a lot of sense for that reason too. I, I was in the Brandon pen one time and I, oh, I think I had, yeah, I had one necked. And as soon as I hit my saddle horn, my horse just cut in two. I was about 14 and my horse cut in two. And the guy we were Brandon for, he's hollering out and he says, stack your dallies dally 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 and he's just out there hooping and hollering about dallying so i just kept dallying because that's what i'm hearing and i i'd roped a really big calf it was i think it was one of their fall calves and most of the time they you know most of their calves were spring calves and so it was, it was good size and i get in there and he says uh he said did you hear me hollering at you i says yeah he says yeah it's pretty damn hard for them son of a bitches to buck when they've got 450 pounds on the end of them i said yeah yeah it it is so i do i do see why those guys tie off i'm just not man enough yeah it it took it sure took a lot of um a lot of convincing yourself in your head that this is a good idea oh i could imagine but you know i did that off of her for about a week I, i roped off of her for about a week tied off and then I just thought the one day, well, I'll, I'll just try going back to to a slick horn and dallying on her. And, you know, she was a different horse. She knew what to do. She set herself up. And then she turned in, she turned into a real fun horse to ride roping off of. Heck, yeah, you can't beat that. No. So, and I mean, it goes with any horse. You know, not all horses I would do that off of. But if they got the right mind, I'd do it again. Oh, definitely. But I'm also the type of guy that I got to play with fire five or six times and figure out it's hot before I go. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Well, you know, it, it's one of those things. I think as long as you're not running toward a grove of trees, you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. And I mean, we were doing it in a feedlot pen. I mean, yeah, there is definitely a lot that could go wrong, but 
you know, we were somewhat contained. Oh, if you're in a, yeah, you're in a feedlot pen, that's a, that's probably the most, you know, confined situation you could find yourself in. Roping. Yeah. So, and, you know, it, it got to be pretty fun, too. Once she got onto it, she turned into a pretty fun little horse horse to rope on. Um, the only problem I will say about um, being tied off with the shorter rope in a feedlot pen is it's a lot harder to make your sneak shots, right? You, you really got to set shots up for, you know, that short little burst down the fence to rope something to get them stopped and try not to stir up the rest of the pen. Yeah, you got to make sure when you throw your rope, it's going to catch. Yeah. That makes that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even, I guess I didn't even really think about that. Yeah. I've never, so, I've never had that, never had that issue. But, I mean, you watch those TikToks or YouTube videos or whatever, those guys, you know, roping with those 35-footers. I mean, they, they're usually kind of running them down. Yeah. Rather than, you know, some of those other videos you watch where you can kind of just hang in your rope, ease in there, and throw it out there 15, 20 feet. Yeah. So that made it that made it challenging, but it also um, made it challenging, but it also made you read your stock a lot better and and set up shots a lot more so you knew you could connect with your throw. Instead of just kind of, you know, well, I'll send a Hail Mary out there and, you know, they're probably not going to be too bothered if I miss. Now I only really got one shot before I stir up the pen. Oh, yeah. That help your, I mean, help reading the stock and also help your open. Yeah. And then when you go to, when you go to roping back with your long rope again, um, you know, I was better, I was better at it because I set. I set shots up a little more than I did before. That makes sense. So, I mean, it, it was just a real cool deal all around to try. And, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to do it again, you know. I'm, I'm too big a puss, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to try it on a broke horse first. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the hell I'm going to find a broke horse, but <laughs> I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah. I've I've got plenty of my own, just none of them are broke. <laughs> yeah, I'm running into the same problem too. I got one broke gelding, and the rest are just youngsters. I mean, they're getting pretty nice to ride, but they they still got a long ways to go. The the brokest horse I've got three years old. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I I will say I would I would take him out. I mean, shoot, I've snubbed colts on him. I'd take him right now and pick up a rodeo on him and not even think twice. Like, he's just that kind of horse where he's just there for you, do anything. The problem is he just don't have the age or the size, you know. Yeah, but when he gets there, he'll be a pretty nice horse. I know. That's why That's why I pulled his shoes off and kicked him out is because I was getting a little too carried away on his workload. Yeah. I thought, well, I better bring in that five-year-old who's about a tenth as broke as you are <laughs> and start working on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. That, that's the problem with them nice horses. You just want to keep riding them nice horses and you kind of forget about everybody else and you go, oh, yeah, maybe I should ride them. Yeah, well, that's, that's the whole reason. So I've got uh, 
I've got a broodmare that I breed every year. And I've had five babies out of her. And the reason she was a broodmare is because when I was about 16, 17, um, I overdid it on her. And like just, I just used her for everything. She was only three years old, but I'd use her for everything. I mean, I'd doctor, yearlings, bulls. I mean, you name it, she did it. And, uh, and she come up crippled about a year and a half, two years later. And so I had to start just breeding her. And that's where I kind of learned my lesson. Like, yeah, maybe ride the ones that aren't so fun to make sure that you still have something in your back pocket when you need it, you know? Yeah. Because if I'd have done that, if I'd have done that at a younger age, I'd still have a good riding horse. I mean, shit, she's only, I think she's only 15. But she's been crippled since she was five or six. Yeah. But it's just so easy to ride those fun ones. It, it is. It is. But, you know, it, it goes back to, too, um, they don't get fun by standing in the pen either, right? Right. Right. You know, well, that was... That was the whole. That was the whole reason this this three year old cold I'm telling you about that's so cool. I kept him a stud until this spring, only because that meant I had to keep him in a stall, which I've only got like a five stall barn. Oh, and so okay. I I put him in a stall and I have to pay my stall cleaner to come clean it, and <laughs> um, and it's I mean it's one of those deals where it's like it's a pain in the ass to have a horse in that barn. And that's why I kept him a stud was so that he was high maintenance. So I'd ride him. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly what I did. I rode him. I rode him. I got hurt real bad last September and didn't start riding Colts again until about January. But, um, come January, I started riding him again because it was like, man, he's in that barn. I've got to pay that kid. I just as well ride him. And that's why that's the only reason why I had people like, oh man, he's gonna be a great herd sire, you know. I'm like, oh, he if he's a herd sire, it's gonna be a herd sire at your house, not mine. Yeah. But that's why I did it because I just don't have the self discipline to ride my own shit if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like a horseshoe, right? You go over to a horseshoe's place. He's probably got the worst. His horses probably have the worst feet in the country just because he don't have time nor the ambition at the end of the day to shoot his own. Shit, no, you get done doing it all day. You think you want to look at one and go, I'm not going to get paid for that, but I'll go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah, Which it's is funny because in, in, the, in the long run, it really does pay off way better than riding someone else's. No. <laughs> It's like when a guy goes on vacation, right? And somebody asks you, you want to come look at my cows with me? No. No, I don't. Exactly. I, I have seen, I see cows every day at my job. I don't want to look at yours. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what I find. People run into somebody on vacation. Oh, well, I've got horses. Let me show you pictures of them. Well, that's the last damn thing I want to see today. Yeah. I I finally got a break. I finally got a break, and here I am working. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, listening to Carrie and Kelly about Susie Q, the horse, that's this great. The next best thing to spread. Yeah. And, and usually they pull up this picture of this slab-sided, peaked-ass, you know, 16-hand, all ribs, something or other. <laughs> I, I hate to even give breeds because there's bad and goods to all of them. But Oh, yeah. But you you know the type I'm talking where it's like, yeah. well, well, what kind of horse is that? Well, it's a grade quarter horse. No, that thing's part saddlebred, part Arabian. <laughs> so, yeah. Somewhere along the lines, it's got draft horse because it's only got legs that are two inches around, but it's got a size two shoe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So do you just you just ride colts mainly for the public? Yeah, yeah. I I start some horses, I finish quite a few. Um basically just I my business is kind of like whatever you need in the horse deal. Like I had a guy call me today and um he's a neighbor down the road, but I I know who he is and I think he knows who I am, but we've never really talked and he hollered at me and he's like, I've got this horse. I rode her all spring long. She's good to go, but I just need a good handle on her. You know, that kind of stuff happens quite a bit, which honest to hell, I prefer. Like I, I love, I love horse training. Breaking colts is not that fun. No, but, but training horses is a lot of fun. Yeah. But the problem is around here, if you don't, I mean, if you're not showing, there aren't a lot of people that want you to ride their horse long term. You know, except, I mean, maybe 90 days at the start, but that's just the start. Yeah. And so it's always nice to, it's always nice to get those phone calls, you know. Oh, well, I just magically had a spot open up in front of six different horses that were you know, totally unhalter broke as two year olds. <laughs> go yeah. ahead and bring. Go ahead and bring them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's all I do. I just ride horses for the public. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's a decent living. I I really enjoy. I enjoy my job. I enjoy having my kids around. I mean, shoot, I'm raising five kids on it. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't can't beat it. I I like the heck out of it. Just today, my kids were outside with me. My two older ones. So I've got I've got five kids. You tell me I'm from Utah without telling me I'm from Utah. I've got <laughs> I've got five kids, seven and under. <laughs> and what's funny is we tried not to be the stereotype. There's something in the water down here. There's got to be because. We tried not to be the stereotype. Three of them were on preventative or preventive measures. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, so we had three kids on birth control and two of them were planned. There you go. Definitely but something down in the water there. It's gotta be. Gotta be. But no, it's it's nice. I mean, shoot, it's nice to be around home all the time. And you know, kids were out there today. Two older ones were, they went and saddled. They got this little pony, 
and uh, they're like, Dad, can we chase? The, can we rope the sled on it? And I was like, Well, you've never done that before, but I don't care. Go ahead. And they're out there just dinking around, roping the sled, and I climb on that pony for about you know five seven minutes real quick for him to kind of just get him in his spot you know teach him like because he's roped he's roped cows but he's never been on the dummy which is a totally different world people think like oh yeah if they're good on the dummy they're good on cows if they're good on cows they're good on the no those no. cows don't have a freaking 500 polaris pulling them around yeah and so i i climbed on him and kind of lined him out and stuff for him and man i tell you what i lost out about an hour and a half two hours of work because i just sat there and was so entertained by one of them pull driving the four-wheeler and the other one trying to rope it it was just <laughs> it was just the funniest thing in the world but i gotta say that's that's gotta be the best part of my job is every day is take your kid to work day yeah well and they're having fun too right you can't go wrong when you get to watch them they're riding the horse and they're having fun well, they're having fun, but they're they're doing something worthwhile, in my opinion. I mean, it, to me, even even you know, making a castle out of rocks is worthwhile for a kid anymore, because most kids all they want to do is sit in front of a screen. Yep. And so it, it's really fun because they're out there, they're having a good time, they're having fun, they're they're doing things that are a little bit dangerous, you know. Heaven forbid I don't put a helmet on my children, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know if that? you've seen. I don't know if you've seen all that hoopla. What's that? TikTok. What does it say? Um, you gotta let your kids do dangerous things safely. Yeah, exactly. Or something along them lines. I think is how it goes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where that's kind of where I, you know, just love that whole deal that my kids are out there all the time is because i watch them do all this stuff and it's like yeah that's stupid they're gonna get hurt yeah but is it gonna be magnificent no if it was gonna be real magnificent i'd stop and i'd tell them to knock it off yeah but they're kind of doing some dumb things they're gonna get a scrape on the head i mean shoot we might even have to head to town and get some stitches not a big deal yeah my dad was not at all like that. My dad would tell you once not to do something stupid, and if you went to do it again, he'd just sit there and watch this play out. Oh, yeah. I remember once when I was a little kid, I, I stuck a knife in one of them electrical sockets. I remember my mom screaming at me and telling me not to do that. And my dad goes, I, and I, I was like five years old or so. I was dumb as a kid. Um, most five-year-olds had that part figured out. Apparently, I didn't. <laughs> and uh, I remember my mom screaming at me not to do that. And my dad, well, he'll only do it once. And he was right. He was definitely right. That That electrical socket bit me. And I didn't do it again. Yeah. There ain't nothing there ain't nothing wrong with that. Nope. And the sad part about that ordeal is a couple of years ago I was talking to dad on the phone and dad was asking me. I I was already living out here in in Manitoba and dad asked me how it was going and I said, Well, well I just got back from the hospital and dad goes, Oh, 
what were you in the hospital for? And I said, well, the doctor is pulling a toaster out of my chest. My dad said, come again. And I said, yeah, he was taking pieces of toaster out of my chest. And dad goes, what the hell did you do? And I said, apparently when you stick a butter knife to get a piece of toast out of the toaster, you unplug it. And I said, when when you when you touch the side with that butter knife, that son of a bitch goes boom real quick. And all my dad told me is, you know, you're a dumbass, right? Yep. Yep. Thank you. Got that part figured out. So now I got to know, is that a true story? Were you really in the hospital for that? Yeah. Yeah. I got I got a little couple little scars on my chest from a toaster blowing up on me. Don't do it. It does. It, it's a bad deal. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I've always heard that, and I will say, I'm I'm a puss, so I've always followed that rule, but I, I didn't really, I've never heard of, like, someone actually having something happen. Yeah, they, they, they go boom real quick. No kidding. Yep. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, wakes you up in a hurry, too, because it's a bright light, and then you're on your back laying on the floor going, did Jesus come? <laughs> And then you look down at your shirt, and your shirt's bleeding, and you're like, well, that's probably not good. I'll be dead gammed. I didn't really know that was an... I kind of thought it was one of them things, like, if you sit too close to the TV, your eyes are going to go bad. Yeah, I I thought the same thing. I thought, I mean, I thought it might give you a shock. I didn't think it would turn into a bomb. I'll be dead gammed. Have you ever heard of that actually happening besides to you? I, I've I've heard of it, um, you know, and I heard of it before people saying they knew somebody it happened to, and then I just, same thing. I just kind of thought it was just people talking until mine blew up. You got to be kidding me. No, and then you go, you know, once I kind of figured out what happened, you're sitting there going, huh, what does happen? That's crazy. Yeah, so so if you ever see your kids sticking a butter knife into a toaster, you you, you should probably stop it right now. That that that's one of those things I ought to jump in the middle of. Yeah, yeah, not maybe let that one ride and see how it pans out. Well, it'll all depend on kind of where the deductible is for the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and what really blew me away is because you know when I when I got done at the hospital, I was like, oh, I need a toaster, so I guess I'll stop at the at Walmart and get another toaster. So I got another toaster, and for some reason, I decided to read the instructions. You know, and it it says nothing about sticking a knife into the toaster, and I'm like, that should be printed somewhere <laughs> in the warning. <laughs> if you stick a knife in this sucker it's gonna go boom <laughs> no that, that's not on the warning label what is on the warning label is do not take your toaster into the bath or shower <laughs> and you know I thought I was dumb <laughs> well what's you funny know is they... when they put that on um, when they put that on a warning Somebody has tried it. 
<laughs> the, you know, you know they were they were probably sitting about. down discussing all this and like, <laughs> you know, what should we put on the warning label? What you know, what's gonna cover our ass? And somebody probably stood up and was like, hey, tell them not to stick a butter knife in there. And they're like, hey, everybody knows not to stick a butter knife in there. Now let's tell them not to take a shower with the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you got to put that kind of instructions and warning label on a toaster, I mean, you know, there's some dumb people out there. Because, let's just be honest, I have never got the urge to take a shower or a bath and go, geez, you know what would be really good right now? If I had a piece of toast. <laughs> That's what I need in here. That would just make this shower or bath complete is a piece of toast. <laughs> I mean, maybe if it's got some butter and cinnamon, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, okay, a bath, I can maybe see that kind of being somewhat enjoyable. Um. <laughs> But a shower, I mean, you're just going to have real soggy bread real quick. <laughs> There's just way too much humidity for this. Yeah. Well, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, but you know, when you go to an airport and you think about, because I was thinking about this yesterday when, you know, I was at two international airports there yesterday. And you see some of the people walking around and you're like, yep. That's why we have warning labels on shit. Oh, yeah. Like, if you ever feel bad about yourself, just go to an airport. You'll feel real good about yourself real quick. Go if you feel bad about yourself. Go anywhere to a Walmart. Yeah, that's true, too. Anymore. There are some strange things out there. Man, I tell you what, it, it gets stranger the more I'm out there. I, I went over to um, Wendover. So I'm, I'm about uh, two hours, well, closer to three hours from Wendover where I live. And we went over there, and when we got there, we let the kids get out and, like, play in a park. And I get out of this park, and, man, there are three grown-ass men with no children. And by grown-ass men, I mean, like, between 45 and 60 and there's just no kids sitting there gazing at all the kids playing and i told my kids i was like hey we ain't in kansas anymore i guess like you guys just pack up together and just nobody gets left behind man the more the more i get out of my little bubble the more i'm like man there's a lot to this world and I don't really like it. No. And, I mean, on the flip side, there are as many stupid people as there are creepy people. But that that's kind of was my take on it was getting out of, you know, getting out of where we are and just kind of realizing, like, man. Like, I go to town here in Tremonton, which, I mean, it's a, it's a fairly good-sized town now. I don't know how many people live here, but, I mean, it's, it's busy enough. But shoot, if I go to the gas station or to the store, like, I'll either leave my truck running or just leave the keys in it. Yeah. But I go other places and I'm like, holy cow, I don't even feel safe having my keys in my pocket. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I know what you mean. Um, it, It's, 
I'm just realizing it is just safe, safer for me to stay here on the ranch and not venture too far away from it because I'm not ready for the real world. No, it's it's wild. It's wild. There, I heard I heard somewhere here in Utah there are schools that have sent out letters to parents talking to them about how they're trying to be sensitive to the kids who are, uh, what's the word for them? Uh, they're like animals. Furries. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. Fur- I know you're going with this one. Yeah. Cause Furries. that's I, I heard their letters in you, which Utah is very conservative and, like pretty good in most of the time in these situations, I feel like, to where they're like, we're not putting up with this shit. But I'll be damned if I didn't hear about some schools here in Utah that they're like, hey, we're we're trying to be really sensitive to our furry students or something like that. And I'm like, whoa, what? Like you guys are being sensitive to this? Like this is what the world's come to is Utah of all places. Yep. Well, earlier, I was around like Christmas time, I guess it was, because one of the guys that works at the feedlot, when his son gets holidays away from school, he comes to the feedlot and works. And I mean, he's 15 years old, um, gets gets paid under the table, no big deal, earns a little bit of spending money, learns a work ethic, that type of thing. Good deal for him, right? Um, And good kid, works hard, you know. You say jump, he pretty much says how high. And we just put him to work, and all is good. So we were sitting there one day having lunch, and um, he was, somehow we got on the topic of his high school, and he was saying there are... uh, in the guys' bathroom and in in the girls' bathroom, there are litter boxes. No. Yeah. And we didn't believe him. And his dad's sitting there and he goes, no fucking joke. It's true. I've seen the one in the guys' bathroom. Really? Yep. We, we have went to a certain type of little right about now. That, that is an old time. Litter, yeah, I, litter I'm boxes. For, I'm all for um, supporting my kid and his life choices and, you know, being there for him and supporting him and, and pretty much whatever he wants to do, right? Even if I don't agree with it, hey, um, you know, but if he come to me and told me he needed to use a litter box because he thinks he's a dog or, or a cat, um, boy, we're going to go outside. Behind yeah, the room, you're going to have a long talk about life choices. Well, my kids, I mean, I look at them, I think, okay, you want to be a dog, I'll build you a kennel, or uh, an elevated kennel that's about, oh, three feet by three feet with a barrel on the back of it and mesh flooring. You can shit through that flooring. You can lap water out of that deal, out of that water. And then uh, you can go ahead and eat dog food. Yeah, that, that's the way I look at it. Like if you if you really think that that's what you are, well then live like one. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry it's raining, but you don't get to come in the house. Yeah, oh, exactly. This, 
This is a this is a no inside animals household. <laughs> yeah, that that would that would change a lot of people in a hurry. Yeah, I I think honestly, I think just one thing led to another, and I'm not gonna get I'm not gonna get carried away in telling you what I think led to what, but I think one thing kind of led to another, and people saw the attention, and oh, we're just we're just pretty excited to start something new. Yeah, there is no way you can't tell me that anybody identifies as an animal. Like that's just wild. Yeah, it blew me away. Yeah. Well, I tell you this much. I identify as a herd bull. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to do anything all year besides graze with the ladies and make sure the ladies' needs are taken care of every so often. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet your wife would have a different idea if you tried to tell her that. Well, you know, guy can hope. Yeah, guy can have dreams, can he? <laughs> guy can have dreams. That's what that's what I told her. So I told you we had three birth control babies. Um, I told her, I said, you know, you ought to stand me out for stud. And she goes, man, I tell you what, I'd make a lot of money. I could guarantee everybody gets covered. I says, I know, but just keep in mind, it's live cover only. And <laughs> she's like, uh-uh, we're, we're artificially inseminating. I said, nope, 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 it's live cover only. <laughs> you are such a pig. I said, no, I'm a stallion, babe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's thought put behind this. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking when I came up with this idea yeah yeah no it's that's why i'm glad i just live where i live i do my own thing wake up in the morning and go to work and stay away from people yeah up up here where i'm at luckily we're still in in good shape but i'm just waiting for the day yeah, well, nobody wants to come out to where I'm at because um, it's a long ways from town. Winters suck. And it's just, you know, you might get a few good months of summertime in, but, you know, nine months out of the year, it ain't a whole lot of fun to live out here. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet. You know, when you need to you, you show up at work at the feedlot, and then by noon, a snowstorm runs in, and you drive a payloader home just to push yourself a trail so you can get home and then back to work in the morning. Jeez. So, not a whole lot of people want to live out here. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not tough enough for that. I'm not sure if we're tough enough or we're just too dumb to go, hey, there might be a better place to live than <laughs> Icebox nine months out of the year. <laughs> Well, say that's the case. You're still tougher than me because I there's no way I can deal with it. Yeah, it's it's I mean, out here. Training training horses, I have to haul to a barn in the winter time. So, what is the winter for you like out there? Uh, it depends. This last winter, I mean, it started in November, and I mean, she didn't quit till mid-April. 
which for us, I mean, that's a long time. Um, and it was, in fact, I think it was more like October this last year. Um, and I mean, most of the time you've got two feet plus on the level. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, we definitely get our snow, but it's, I mean, temperatures, the most will get down negative 10, maybe. Like nothing, nothing too crazy. Most of the time, most of the time our winters are, you know, low single digits to uh, mid 20s for a high or low, low 20s for a high. It just kind of, it goes back and forth. It just depends on the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last winter we had up here, oh man, it was the coldest winter we've had in a long time. Last winter was not fun at all. That's how, that, I mean, that's how we were. It was way longer than we're used to and way longer than, and way more snow, way more wind than, I mean, we ever get. Yeah. But what's what's your guys' typical? I mean, a typical winter. A a typical winter for us is, you know, probably two and a half to to three feet of snow on the level. And then, um, you know, what we'll, we'll stay in in oh in the low twenties, like. You know, a, a nice day for us would probably be 25 with no wind. Okay. Uh, minus 25 with no wind. That's a nice day for us. Um, you know, then then we'll go to, you know, every winter about January, it gets real cold. So January, you can pretty much say most Januaries, we're get, we're going to stay in the mid minus 30s. Is that uh, Fahrenheit or Canadian? Canadian. Not Celsius. Yeah. What would that convert to to Fahrenheit? I wonder, because I'm talking oh. Fahr- I'm talking Fahrenheit. Yeah, I I can tell you the conversion. So, and then you know, um, if the wind picks up, we might dip down to forty-five. So it, it gets dang cold out here. I know the one cabin season, um, oh, about three winters ago, I was cabin for a place, and we started cabin the 1st of January. And and that started that cabin season for about two weeks. Um, there there's about four nights where a Dodge thermometer up here, I don't know how your thermometer is in Dodge truck is down there, but up here, They'll stop reading at minus 55. Oh, yeah. And the truck was reading minus 55, and the thermometer outside of the cabin barn was reading, oh, I think it was 59 or 60 below. And we were, you know, you had to leave your truck run all night. Leave it run and plugged in because it just, wouldn't do anything. And your cabin heifers out in that and going, boy, I'm an idiot. Hmm. 
That's, that's when the teachers, that's when you start thinking back to high school and you go, you know, I really should have stayed in school on nights like this. I would have been a whole lot smarter. Yeah. Yeah. You're sitting there going, you know, that teacher did have a lot when she said, if you just apply yourself. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I, I tell you what, I, I don't like to sound like I'm a fair weather guy but i just hate winters yeah i every winter that passes i tell myself i won't be here next winter and then i fly here i am yep yep well i do the same thing every same time if if we wouldn't do it if there wasn't guys like you and me out here doing it who would do it yeah i agree with that I think I think every year I'm going to move to Arizona for the winter. You know, because their their winters ain't bad at all. Yeah, and I keep thinking every winter I'm like, "Yep, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to Arizona." Yeah, yep. it never it never happens. No, I got a couple friends. They they go down to Arizona um, every winter, and they they spend the whole winter team roping. Yep. And uh, actually, my one friend, um, before I went to the States, he was over. And um, his wife ended up, we were sitting at the table, and, and his wife ended up calling me. She was she was just looking for him. She didn't know where he'd been. He said he was going to go check cows and then be back and ended up at my place drinking beer. So we were sitting at the table, and my phone rings, and I said, oh, it's your wife. Do you want to answer it? And he goes, oh, sure. So I handed him my phone, and he looks at me, and he goes, oh, my name's Asshole. And I said, yep. Your name's asshole. And he goes, why is my name asshole in your phone? And I said, because you are the asshole in the middle of winter that'll call me. And though, you know, it's cold down in Arizona. I have to walk out of the camper in a hoodie. Oh, you had to walk out in a hoodie. Did you? It's cold down there. Mm, good deal. <laughs> exactly. Asshole. Yeah, but I'd do the same thing if I was him too. Yep. Yep. Oh. Guaranteed. Maybe even worse for me. I might even I might even be just a little bit more apt to kind of get you riled up that I'm in Arizona and you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got some friends that they go down to Texas and they were down in Texas and that that snowstorm hit Texas. There, uh, was it last winter or the winter before when they got that real bad storm and everything froze? I think that was the winter before. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think it was last winter. I think it was the winter before. But uh, I feel bad for the Texans down there because they're not really equipped for that cold. Mm-hmm. But my Canadian friends that were down there, I was just giggling the whole time. This is awesome. <laughs> Yep. You thought you thought you'd escaped it. Yeah, and it followed you. Yep. Yeah, but no, it's I mean, we complain about the cold weather and everything, but if you know how to dress for it, you know, it's not too bad. No, it's not. I mean, it's not the end of the world. The the hardest part for me is waking up in the morning and being like, yeah, I'm going to go out in that shit. Yeah. 
that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. And you know, it, it's crazy, you know, it could be, it could be minus 35 here and no wind, not a breath of wind. And you'll put, I'll, I'll put a light pair of coveralls on, like not an insulated pair of coveralls on, um, a pair of insulated pack boots, a vest and a hoodie, and I'll go to work. And I'll be warm all day. You know, yeah, you got your scarf on and your and your scotch cap and a set of cotton gloves. But when it's when it gets to that cold and there's no wind, it's actually warm. It feels warm. Because you're outside, you're doing something, so you're staying warm. You know if you stop moving, you're gonna get cold. But as long as you're moving and not working up a great big sweat, you're pretty warm. Hundred percent. Um where it gets to be a, a real cold is when that wind picks up. And I mean, when that wind picks up, there isn't, there isn't enough clothing to put on. Cause that, that cold wind, when it's that cold, it just cut through anything. Absolutely. That's, oh. that's why, I mean, like riding at the barn I ride at, uh, me and my buddy. So my buddy, he rides horses for these people. So they let us ride at their barn for free. And uh, we'll go in there. And I mean, like bringing horses into the barn, we're freezing. Getting horses saddled, we're still freezing. Once you're riding around, it's like, oh man, I feel good. Yeah. Because there ain't no wind. No. It ain't It ain't the temperature. I mean, it could be minus five for us Fahrenheit. Yeah. And, I mean, no big deal. But as soon as you're in that wind, man, it cuts through you like nothing else. Oh, man. Yeah, you just can't get warm. Once you get cold, you're just cold. Yep. That's 100% true. So do you do 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 a lot of rope horses? Like, do you train a lot of rope horses or just whatever somebody wants? It's it's pretty well just whatever anybody wants. You know, I, I've had quite a few rope horses that I, I'm not set up to I don't have steers and stuff like that to be able to really get like a good head horse or heel horse finished. But I I've started quite a few on my helomatic and I've got I mean I've got calves around. Um but it's just kind of, I, I kind of just try to be a chameleon the best I can. You know, like the what, what somebody wants, I try to do. I have people who, I mean, all they do is hunt. And so, like, I'll pack their horse and, um, you know, do, do the best I can. If someone has a calf die, I'll take the skin of it and, like, put it in their feeder or just right next to their feeder so they have to smell it when they go to eat just to get used to that dead smell. Um and a lot of ranch horses. You know, I, I ride quite a few ranch horses to where really most of the time when I'm riding them, it's just get them as broke as you can in 30 days and we'll take over and they do a good job with them. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the thing for me is everybody's got their, their different um, niches in the horse world. And I've tried the best I can just to mold to each one of them. Yeah, well, it sounds like you got a good thing going. It's been good to me. It's been really good to me. Well, that's awesome. I ride, I ride 
horses from everything from ladies who are going to do like the hunter jumping deal. Like I've started quite a few of those kind of horses to where they just need to, you know, need to get used to being under saddle and stuff like that. And then all the way over to ranch roping and team roping. And like you say, I, I don't finish the team roping horses. I just can't, I'm not set up for it, but, but I've been, I've been pretty dang lucky to be able to do what I do. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, that's the biggest thing in life, right? Is, is finding something you enjoy to do and making a living doing it. Oh, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I, I look at people who, I, I just went to a family reunion this last weekend and I'm talking to all my cousins. So from my grandma and grandpa on that side, there are over 300 descendants living. And uh, so I'm, I'm talking to all sorts of kind of different people, you know, from all walks of life. And listening to some of them talk about what they do for a living, you can tell they just don't dig it. Like, I mean, they're making quarter million a year, but just don't dig it. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, you know, I'd rather just do what I do. I'd rather just be happy with what I'm doing than do some job that I'm not all that passionate about or don't really care about. Yeah, well, that's just it, right? At least you're happy. At least, you know. That's the main thing is you're happy, your family's happy, kids are happy, and kids are living their best life. That's the biggest thing for me right there is just them kids. Just just the fact that they, I mean, they're totally oblivious to the world's bullshit. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah you see so many kids now caught up, you know, caught up in just the world's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, what what kind of childhood is that? Not a very good one, if you ask me. Like, a kid shouldn't be worried about politics or world news or anything like that. A, a kid should be worried about, you know, what they're going to do to their fort tomorrow. Yeah, or, or maybe getting caught because they built a fort in the wrong spot and they know they did. Yeah. You know, I... Th- I look at my kids and I think, you know, I do. I, I'm pretty hard on my kids, but they they go out and do something stupid. And I'll kind of get on their ass for it. And I'll turn around and as I'm walking away from them, I'm laughing. Because I'm like, yeah, I was the same way. Yeah. But it's a hell of a lot better than any of this. Uh, the best way to put it is woke. Any of this woke bullshit. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I'd way rather my kid come home and tell me, yeah, you know, I drove I drove your truck off into the canal. I wasn't paying attention. We were all laughing, having a good time. We just got done going out to the sand dunes and riding four-wheelers, and I drove your truck off into the canal on the way home and 100% sober. Okay, then come home and tell me, you know, Dad, I was thinking – I think we need to be a little more inclusive of this group. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's the thing for me. I mean, let them be kids. Yeah. 
don't be don't be worried about all the world's bullshit. Go have no. a good time. Go do some stupid shit. Oh yeah. Like, I did plenty of that when I was growing up. Oh, you and me both. Plenty of that. And, and you know, like, I, I laugh at, at some kids now. You know, my boss has kids, and, you know, a while ago they had a party and everything. And there was a bunch of other little kids running around, and we were still trying to work at the feedlot and get things done. And you got all these kids running around, and the boss looks at me, and he goes, have you ever wanted to take somebody's kid and throttle him? I said, yeah, I've been there a time or two. And he goes, I want to kill this kid right now. If he was mine, he'd be getting, he'd be getting something. And he goes, but his parents would not like that if I did it. And I was like, shit, I grew up in the wrong time. Didn't matter if I was at home or if I was at a friend's house. I was at a friend's house. My parents were his parents, and they weren't scared to whoop your ass if you did something wrong. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. And that's where that that's where that saying that, you know, it takes a village comes in. It's just, just the fact that, I mean, other kids come over to my house. I treat them like they're my own. Yeah. And I really hope that the other kids' parents my kids oh yeah in fact i hope they're i hope they're harder on my kids than their own yeah yeah well i can remember being over at a buddy's place and wow we 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 were probably 13 years old and uh his old man took a willow switch to us because you know we said it was an accident um you know, we didn't intend for that to happen. It wasn't like we, we were going to set these bales on fire. But we didn't think our idea was totally that bad of idea at the time. Um, until the bale stack caught on fire. We're like, oh, we might have just fucked up. And, uh, yeah, his old man chased us around with the willow switch. That was not fun. Yeah, but you learned your lesson, didn't you? Yeah, we're not going to light fireworks off of a bale stack anymore. That is a stupid idea. Well, that's what that's what it's all about. And, and you know what baffles me to this day? Is you look back at it, and now you kind of laugh about it, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, we did that. Boy, that was a really stupid idea. Why would anybody do that? You look back at it and go, man, how dumb were we? Yeah, you look back and think how dumb you were, but at the time, man, that was a good idea. It was a brilliant idea. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to light fireworks, just as well get three bells high at least. Right? Right? It'll, you know, we did not think about the fuse catching the bales on fire. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, but see, I, I guarantee you that that guy that chased you around with the willow switch... Guarantee you that some buck, you ask him what he would rather chase you around for, any of this woke bullshit or that, guarantee he'd rather chase you around for that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. You might not have woke up from the other. Yeah. Yeah, the other one, he might have killed us. That's that's what I'm saying. That's 
that's the nice thing about I mean there there's not there's not much of it left. I mean as far as numbers go. But that's the nice thing about people still raising their kids, you know, in this world that, that we live in, the agricultural world, is just the fact that, I mean, at least they're getting a normal childhood. Yeah. That, well, that's my I, that's my big thing. Even if I even if I go broke by the time my last kid moves out and I got to go get a real job. By hell, at least I raised my kids in that world. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And you know, like what what I'm seeing a lot of out here is in in, in some ranch kids um, that are around here is you know a 16, 17 year old doesn't even know how to drive a standard. Like we weren't, we weren't allowed to drive the automatic truck till we could drive the standard, and drive it well. Oh yeah. You know, there's just there's so many aids out there in the world now that you know. Let's be honest, you don't really have to be that good at something. There is an aid for it. Yep. At least with riding horses, and you know kind of the older way of doing things at least you're developing life skills absolutely absolutely and learning learning how to deal with those trials that's the big thing is learning how to deal with the bullshit that comes with it yeah whether it's the people or the horse itself or just a new problem that arises with the horse oh exactly it's just a matter of learning how to like. I was watching my kids rope the helomatic today, and I mean, they that's the first time they decided they wanted to rope the sled. And I says, "Okay, go ahead." And they've got this little pony, and I hopped on him for about five minutes and threw a few loops at the helomatic, you know, just to kind of get him to where he was at. You know, he could kind of listen and everything. And I told them boys, I says, "Okay, now." Just make sure you keep them in the right spot. And I'm watching this whole entire deal unfold. And I was ready to kind of jump their shit a couple of times, which they didn't need it. It was just more of, I I want perfection, right? And, uh, but I just got thinking, I was like, man, that's just, this is just the perfect, this is just the perfect life right here for these kids. What, what What more could you ask for? Oh, you can't ask for any. They're outside. They're around animals. They're having fun. Well, and they're they're struggling. You know, they're they're not figuring out how to. The one kid driving the four wheeler can't figure out how to drive at the right pace. The kid on the horse is having a hard time swinging his rope and trotting at the same time. I mean, there are a hundred things going wrong, and that's why I thought, man, this is great for problem solving. Like. That my older kid, he kind of wanted to get a little emotional because he was having a hard time, and I give him the very nice talk of, "I'll rip you off that horse and kick your ass if you don't stop." Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, but but it's just those it's just those problem solving skills. It, it's just that you're faced with adversity, and you have nowhere else to go but fix this problem. Yeah. And that's what that's what people lack these days. 
Oh, it's it's ridiculous how many adults can't figure out something for themselves. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that blows my mind. I look at them kids of mine and I think, you know, I want to throw you every problem in this world, even though you're little, just so you have a chance. Yeah. Just so you can grow up to, okay, well, we've got this problem. Well, we can either sit here and cry about it or we can start thinking of solutions. Right. Right, because there isn't always going to be a tool or an aid there to do it for you. No, no. Like, I, I, I told them that a couple of times. Like, hey, I'm here right now, but when I'm not, you got to do it this way. And you got to think about this. Hey, for example, like, I tell them, I mean, they go catch their horse. They bridle him, saddle him. I mean, they do the whole rigmarole. And the one thing they're not allowed to do, or they're not allowed to ride until I tighten their cinch. And I will say it's only because I'm a paranoid dad. I've I've had enough wrecks to where I've had horses step on my head. I've had horses just about kill me because of loose cinches. I'm just paranoid enough, and they're young enough that that's the one thing. Like you do not do that. Yeah. But I've showed them how tight it should be, and I'm like, if I'm ever not around, that's how tight it needs to be. Stick your fingers in there, and I mean, mind you it's different with a pony than it would be a horse. I said, stick your finger in there. Well, we can't. It's too tight. I'm like, exactly. Cut this son of a bitch in half. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a matter of just them kind of learning. I don't know. Well, learning. that's what life is. Life is trial and error. Yeah, Exactly. Just, we've been, we're fortunate enough, you know, we've been through them wrecks. We know the errors that can happen. And if we can make it just a little bit safer for them, we're going to. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, I probably erred just a little too much on the snowflake side to where I'm a little too careful with, with the horses. But, but that's not a bad thing, you know, um, you know, you can be too careful and, and keep them safe. You can you can be not careful enough. You can't bring a kid back, right? Well, that's... Really bad goes wrong. And Lord forbid if it ever did, but you, you can't bring somebody back and then you just sit there and go, you know, I wish I would have done things different. Exactly. That's what, yeah. that's what holds me up the most. I mean, now granted, once that cinch is tight... I mean, I'll turn my back. I, will, I mean, shoot, I'll leave. I'll be gone for an hour while they're riding this horse. I, I, I don't think that horse is going to hurt them. It's just that. It's just that making sure that saddle's tight because, shoot, I've been there. Yeah. yeah and I think, I think I'm that much more paranoid because all I've got around are colts. Yeah. And I just, I'm that much more paranoid where it's like, man, everything around here has the potential to kill you if you just make the wrong move. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't take long for it to happen either. No. No, not at all. Swift, swift kick to the head, you're done. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, that that wreck I had last fall should have killed me. I don't know why it didn't. It so what, what kind of wreck did you have last fall? So I was on a colt, and uh, I was kind of playing with his face. I wasn't pulling on it, wasn't cranking on it, just was kind of playing with his face a little bit. And um, I, I think he kind of felt backed into a corner, even though he wasn't. I mean, he just kind of felt that way. And I was playing with that face just a little bit, just trying to kind of get him to get off the bit. Well, he jumped in the air backward and just body slammed me right in the ground. Oh, shit. And I, I asked my buddy, I says, now I know you couldn't feel the horse, but watching him, what were you thinking? And he said, as soon as you released was exactly when I thought you should release. Because I released just before the wreck happened. And that somebody, I think he just felt backed into a corner. And I mean, he... He jumped straight in the air. They said he was five foot on the level upside down. And he just, 1,200 pounds, just boom, right in the ground. That is no fun at all. No, it. I, I got a pressure burst, which that's basically like if you squeeze a tomato, the juice has to have somewhere to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. I That, that, that juice had to go out my groin. My blood had to go somewhere. And it blew out in my groin. Oh shit! And it was a it was a hell of a wreck. It was a hell of a wreck. Broke my left leg. It'll be broke for about another year. They said, like as of right now. Jesus! It broke it. It broke it right down to the marrow. Oh. So it, I mean, it was a. What's that? I said, you're lucky to still be walking. Oh, you ain't kidding. You know, because I know guys that have had less, you know, have still had a wreck, but a lesser wreck and are paralyzed from it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm lucky as can be. It, it should have. It honestly should have killed me. Because his, I mean, his head collided with my head. Like I had a, I had a straw and the front brim and the back brim were just mashed together. Jeez. Knocked me out for over 20 minutes. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a nasty deal. It was a really nasty deal. Well, I'm I'm glad you're slowly mending up. Oh yeah, me too. I got that I got that son of a bitch broke though. That that probably had to feel good. It did. It did. See, it was a it was a friend of mine. It was his horse, and uh, if I'd have thought he was a basket case, the horse, I'd have just said like you know just cut his head off, kind of a thing. And my my buddy called me. He says, hey. So what do you think? Like, is this horse just not worth the shit? And I said, no, honestly, I think he was just throwing a fit. I said, I think he's a good horse. I really do. I said, I think it was a combination of maybe I asked too much and he just wasn't ready for it and he just didn't know how to react. And he's like, well, so what should I do? I said, hang on to him. I'll ride him in the spring. So I rode him this spring 
got him freaking stomped out. Like he was good some bitch by the time I got done with him. Real good some bitch. Oh, you, you, you can't go wrong with that feeling. It must have been quite a feeling crawling back in the middle of him for the first time. You know, I, I rode, so in November, I my buddy needed some help back riding some country. And I'd sold a horse to his brother who's dead now. And I told him, I says, hey, if I can ride that horse, I'll come help you. Because I didn't have anything broke of my own. I says, if I can ride that horse, I'll come and help you. So I came and helped him and we back rode that country and everything. And, you know, I was kind of building up and then I rode a few more horses and then I started to get to work at the first of the year. And then the time came to take that horse and like, I think it was mid February. And, uh, dude, I, I'm not kidding you. When I crawled on that horse for the first time, which mind you, I bitted him down and chased him around for about two weeks, <laughs> but when it came time to hop on that horse, it was different. It was a lot different. Like I, I'd already put first rides on three or four horses, but you know, since I'd gotten hurt, but like getting on him, it was a different animal. It was a different feel. Like it, it kind of shattered my confidence just a little bit. Well, I mean, we, we all know that every horse has the potential to hurt us real bad. Even your broke ones, right? Absolutely. And, you know, I've been in some pretty good wrecks and got banged up pretty good and and stuff. And then go to swing back on that horse that he didn't hurt you on purpose, right? It wasn't, it wasn't anything being mean where he actually tried to get you. You know, he just had a bad day. And you just happened to get hurt. But, but crawling up back on that horse, I know for myself, that you got hurt on, it's it's a pretty eerie feeling because now you know he can do it. <laughs> exactly. And that's what's funny it. is so so could everything else I'd rode. Yeah, well, that's just it. But you know, I, I don't think about new colts that I step on. I that really doesn't cross my mind that they could hurt me. They haven't they haven't hurt me yet, so I'm not too worried about it. But when you when you climb on that one that's busted you up pretty good. Um, it that that just is a little bit more real, real that it could happen. Totally. In my experience, anyways, maybe some guys think different, but I know I have a, a tougher time climbing on something I've been hurt on. Well, I I, I couldn't agree more. Like I climbing on that some buck, I was just sitting there thinking the whole time, just kind of halfway replaying everything through my head, you know, and. God, it was hard. It was hard to crawl back on him. I thought, man, I know he can do it, but I don't think he will. After four months of rehab, though, I kind of felt like, you know what? If all I do is get on this son of a bitch and don't die, at least I did it. <laughs> yeah. At least, at least I tried. Yeah. But that, that a big reason why I took him. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it just goes back. You, you get bucked off the horse, you get back on him. Absolutely. You know, um, even if you wouldn't have got anything done on him and just sat on him, at, at least you had the courage to scurry up there. 
that's that's I think that's one thing people just don't understand is that adage of you get bucked off the horse, you get back on again. It, it ain't for the horse. It's for you. Yeah. A lot of the time. I mean, yes, the horse does need it too. Yeah. Think, think one in his eyeball and sink one in his asshole and hang on. Yeah. But I, I think it's for the people just as much. That, that's why when my kids get hurt, like on their on their pony, you know, I mean, he, he ain't very big, but they'll come off him every now and then. And I, I've made sure from day one to where now when they when they eat dirt, they'll be sitting there halfway crying and they'll already be back on him before I'm out there to say anything. But it, it's not for it's not just for the horse. It's for you, too. Oh, yeah. And that's why I took this horse back is because I felt I honestly felt like. If I didn't get through this horse, there would be some kind of a block. And I know that sounds really stupid, but I felt like there would be a block in my mind to where it was like, yeah, that horse beat me, so this horse could beat me too. Yeah. And I know that sounds chicken shit and stupid, but that's how kind of my brain worked, was just like, you've got to get through to this horse or else you're going to have that in the back of your mind the rest of your life. Yep. Yeah, oh, I, I, I feel the same way about it. I mean, even about cows, you know, I, I get run over pretty much every calving season, and half of it's my fault because I'm just dumb. Oh, she isn't going to chase me. She's all bluff, and then I get run over and go, yeah, no, she wasn't bluff. <laughs> Definitely not bluffing. But, you know, the next four or five calves you go to tag, um, that cow is bluffing you. And, I mean, you're like a 12-year-old girl running back to the pickup or the side-by-side or whatever you're tagging on her, stewing up your horse, and she's not even coming. Mm-hmm. And then you, you kind of fall back into where you get braver and braver. And, oh, okay, this is no – I'm just going to tag calves like I normally do. But if you let that one cow justify how you do it and be scared of everything, that's no good neither. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. I actually think if if you get if you're scared of cows, if you've had a cow rough you up, and now you've turned scared of them, um, you're gonna get hurt worse. I agree with that. I think the same is true for horses. Yeah. If you're scared of getting hurt, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah, and it's going to be worse because you're going to, you're, you know, you're going to tense up and you're just going to make the, the wreck worse instead of, you know, some of these colts that just have a lot of life in their feet, they go to move, and the worst thing you can do is shut them down. Um, you just let that horse just kind of move off and grab his ass and just go until he figures out there was really nothing to be scared about, and you're just sitting up there going dumb shit. Um but if you were to tense up and grab a hold of them and let out, uh, let out a beller, you know, things might escalate. That's the thing people don't realize is them horses and cows, they can read you better than you can. Yeah. They, they understand what's going through your head better than you do. Oh, yeah. That's what, that's what most people riding horses just need to realize is – if that some bitch can feel a fly on its withers, 
chances are it can feel your ass squeezed together when it's on its back. Yep. And so you getting all scared ain't going to do nothing. No. No, not at all. Just going to make it worse. Exactly. You know, it's like I I tell everybody, but some guys that come out from the feedlot and they want to help me tag and, you know, they play a big calf guy, do, and you get a calf on the ground, and that calf kind of lets out that little death beller, and mom comes around the side of the pickup truck, matter now. I'm going to hit her. Don't you fucking do it. Well, I'm going to hit her. You're going to make it worse. She's already mad. She don't need to feel pain right about now. She, she don't need help. Yeah. Um. If she's on top of me, yeah, please, please hit her. Um, but until she's on top of me, you leave her alone. Because if you just, I find if you know, if you just, with most cows, if you just kind of hold your ground and just get to what you got to get done, tagging, doing whatever with that calf, um, just get it done. You're going to be far better off. The quicker you can get it done and get Junior back to mom, the far better off you're going to be. Absolutely. So. Them some bitches, they can read you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the problem is, you know, everybody says a cow is stupid, but in all the reality of it is when we call a cow stupid or go this stupid cow, it's probably because she's beat us four or five times now and we're just in the wrong spot. Yep. And just like a horse, right? When a horse beats you, it's 99% of the time our fault. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and, and Honestly, the, the best way it was ever put to me was a, a lady told me, and she was a hand. And while she'd put us both to shame and rope them. Like, she was awesome. And she told me, she says, you know, horses are perfect animals. I said, now, what the hell does that mean? She said, well, they don't do anything they think they're not supposed to do. I said, okay, now, what do you mean by that? And she says, well, if they think they're supposed to blow up, they'll blow up. If they think they're supposed to be calm, they'll be calm. And she kind of expanded more on it, but that just totally made sense to me. And like watching people ride, that's exactly what their horses do. They do exactly what they think they're supposed to do. Yeah, I can see that. Like she, she told me, like whatever a horse's response is, is a hundred percent natural to them. So you've got to figure out what triggers that horse, and kind of go with it and learn how to train it. Either train it out of them, and get their confidence, or reinforce it. She's like, if a horse is scared and you go to grab and hold of them, they're going to get even more scared. Okay, you know, that makes sense. But, I mean, she kind of went on and on about it a little bit, which made sense to me that the horses never really do anything on their own. They're waiting for something else to trigger a response. And that's where people screw up is they're sitting there thinking like, well, I'm going to grab hold of its face to, you know, do this, that, or the other. Well, all that does is just make the horse more worried. 
Yeah, I'm not. You know, I've never thought of it that way. That that is a, that is interesting, and it makes total sense. That that's that was my thing. I was like, whoa, wait, no, that goes against everything I ever was taught and everything I ever learned. But it does make sense. It totally makes sense because they just react how they think they're supposed to. Yeah. For the most part, you you know, you always get that 1% piece of shit, rotten asshole that no matter what you do is just going to screw you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've all had them. And, you know, like, um, I guess it kind of on the is, you know, I, I had an old guy tell me the horses are already broke before you step on them. Like, that, that son of a bitch is broke. He knows how to spin. He knows how to sl- do a sliding stop, change leads. He knows how to work a cow. He knows how to do all of that. When he, when people talk about training him, well, I got to train him. No, you don't. You just have to figure out how to be out of his way and help him because you're up there now and you're, you're, you can't be in his way. Well, that's, that's the big thing is you're not teaching him how to do it. You're teaching him what cues make him do it. Yeah. Yeah, what cues make him do it and, and figuring out how to get out of his way so he can he can do it. Absolutely. So well Benji, it has been it has been a treat talking to you this evening. Hey, right back at you. And uh, you know, one of one of these evenings when you have a fr- uh, free time, um, every Tuesday, um, me and uh, Tommy, um, we do uh, kind of an every Tuesday night podcast where we just talk about horsemanship and horses and that kind of thing. And I'd love to have you come on there one evening. Hey, I'd love it. Alrighty, man. Well, you have a great rest of your evening and thank you for your time. Hey, you do the same. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. And we'll talk to you again. Okay. We'll see you.